All right, my beloved, if you would take your Bible, please, and open up to the book of Genesis, chapter 37. Genesis, chapter 37. I want to talk about Joseph and his coat of many colors. I want to talk about a story in the Bible tonight, and we will read together um, verses 1 to 4. Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 to 4. Follow along in your Bible, please, as I read. And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren. And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah and with the sons of Zilpah his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him. And could not speak peaceably unto him. Let's bow our hearts in prayer. Heavenly Father, help us tonight. Now this is an amazing story. Lord, please I pray for everyone. Watching the broadcast, listening to this sermon. I pray for everyone. That the Holy Spirit would use this story in our hearts. This is so important, Heavenly Father. Help us not to miss it. Lord, have thine own way now. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to read you a little story. It's an absolutely true story. It happened in the 1400s to a man by the name of Ivan the Great. Ivan the Great was the czar of all of Russia. And he brought together the warring tribes into one vast empire known as the Soviet Union. As a fighting man, he was courageous. As a general, he was brilliant. He drove out the warring factions, the Tartars, and he established peace across the nation. However, Ivan was so busy waging his campaigns that he did not have time for a family. And so his advisors were quite concerned and they reminded Ivan that there was no heir to the throne. And should anything happen to him, the whole union would dissolve. They said to Ivan, you must Take a wife who can bear you a son. The busy soldier said to them that he did not have time to search for a bride, but if they would find a suitable one, he would marry her. And the counselors and the advisors were happy with that, and they searched high and low the capitals of Europe to find an appropriate wife for the great czar. And they did. They found one. They reported to Ivan of this beautiful dark-eyed daughter of the king of Greece. She was young. She was brilliant. She was charming. He agreed to marry her sight unseen. Boy, talk about your mail-order bride. The king of Greece was delighted. It would align Greece in a favorable way with this emergent giant of the north. But there had to be one condition. The king of Greece said, he cannot marry my daughter 
unless he becomes a member of the Greek Orthodox Church. Ivan's response, I'll do it. And so a priest was dispatched to Moscow to instruct Ivan in the Orthodox doctrine. Ivan was a quick student and he learned the catechisms in record time. Arrangements were concluded and the Tsar made his way to Athens, accompanied by 500 of his crack troops, his personal palace guard. He was to be baptized into the Orthodox Church by immersion, as was the custom of the Eastern Church. His soldiers, ever so loyal to Ivan, asked to be baptized also. And so the patriarch of the church assigned 500 priests to give the soldiers a one-on-one catechism crash course. The soldiers, all 500 of them, were to be immersed in one mass baptism. Crowds gathered from all over Greece. What a sight that must have been. 500 priests, 500 soldiers, the priests dressed in their black robes and their tall black hats, the official dress of the Orthodox Church. The soldiers wore their battle uniforms with all their regalia and their ribbons of valor and their medals of courage and their weapon of choice, the sword strapped on their side. But suddenly there was a problem. The church prohibited professional soldiers from being members. They would have to give up their commitment to bloodshed. They could not be killers and church members too. What were they to do? Stay with me, folks. There's more to the story. Stay with me. I'm going to tell you what they did, how they they solved this problem. Now, getting back here to, you're probably wondering why I told you that story. Well, right now you won't understand, but later, when I tell you the finish, the end, you'll understand why I told you that story. Okay? So back here to Genesis chapter 37, we have the mention of this coat of many colors. Now, it's interesting that it should be mentioned. Why in the world would God have this put in there? Uh, It seemed to disappear after the fact. Why would God do that? Why would God, is it just a coincidence? Did God insert this just for a little bit of uh, uh, literary variety in the story? You know, there are some people that actually argue whether the coat had many colors or not. Because the word many in verse 3 is supplied by the translators. It's put in the slanty letters. And they say it wasn't in the original. Well, I think you'd have to be a world-class Hebrew expert to be able to answer that question. And the world-class Hebrew experts in 1611 were those 47 translators. And they all agreed that the, the word many should be put in there. Many colors. Anyhow, you know what? We can get caught up arguing all about the colors, all about the fabric, all about the weave. And we can miss the whole point as to why the coat is in the Bible. Why it's in the story in the first place. There's a reason why it's in there. It's not just for literary uh, p- poetry. There's a reason. There's a reason why God put 
the story of the coat in there. Now a truth that we see in the Bible is that sometimes God will use other people to help move us and to be and to do uh, for us, to move us to where God wants us to be and what he wants us to do. And this is very important principle. We see this in the Bible. God had an important mission for Joseph. That mission was in Egypt. How was God going to get Joseph out of the land of Canaan down into Egypt? How was he going to do it? Well, we shall see. Now, Joseph was born as a result of his mother Rachel's desire for a child. Take a look back at chapter 30, would you please? Chapter 30, Genesis 30 and verse 22. Genesis 30 and verse 22. And God remembered Rachel and God hearkened to her. See that? She'd been praying. Um, possibly as much as 10 years, by the way, 10 years. Now, this morning, you know that we talked about 10 years and that sometimes, you know, you don't become a success overnight. It takes time. And Rachel had been barren. She couldn't have children. And she'd been crying out to God for years, quite possibly 10 years. And so God hearkened to her and opened her womb and she conceived and bare a son and said, God hath taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph and said, the Lord shall add to me another son. And so here, he, uh, he was, uh, I think, the result of prayer. I think that that's a great way uh, to get children, is to start and pray for them, and to ask God, and to beg him, and plead with him. And so, Joseph was born as a result of his mother's prayer. Joseph quickly became his father's favorite. Now, this is a, a problem. This is a danger. Chapter 37, verse 3. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Don't make that mistake, parent. Don't make that mistake to love one of your children above the other. That's a mistake. You'll divide your family. This was a mistake that Jacob made. God now led Jacob to make construct, put together a beautiful garment for his 17-year-old son, Joseph. In the grand scheme of things, the coat itself has little significance. But the purpose of the coat was to make something else happen. That's why the coat, that's why it's in the Bible here. That's why God put it on Jacob's heart to make this coat. Now, in verse 4, it says, and when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Here we, we see the divine purpose of the coat. Jacob loved Joseph more than the others, so Jacob made a special coat of many colors for Joseph. When the brothers saw it, whoa, 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 what's this? Well, dad made this for me because he loves me so much. And then they got together. Dad never made anything like that for us, did he? No, he loves that, that miserable Joseph more than he, than he loves us. The purpose of the coat. What I'm suggesting to you is the reason it's in the Bible is to show us what it did in the hearts of the brothers. 
And so there was a divine purpose in the coat to bring out the hatred of his brothers. But their hatred was not enough to do Joseph harm. And so God allowed something else to happen. Look at verse 5. Joseph dreamed a dream and he told it to his brethren and they hated him yet the more. Now, just for sake of time, I'll summarize the dream. It was actually two dreams that that Joseph ended up having. But the bottom line is his family, his brothers and his father and mother, his family would bow down to him. And he told this dream to his brothers and to his parents. Imagine what they thought. Imagine how they felt. Well, you can read verses 5 to 10 and you'll see, wow, how they They hated him, and yet there was prophecy in those dreams, prophecy of of greatness, and uh, possibly also Joseph's ability to interpret dreams starts coming out here. And so in verse 11, we find here, and his brethren envied him, but his father observed the same. And so in order to bring out even more hatred, God allowed for the prophetic dreams. Now the rest of the chapter describes what his brothers did to Joseph. How they they wanted to kill him. But they finally decided to sell him to some nomads. And they stripped him of his, his coat of many colors and threw him in a pit. And then when these uh, wandering nomads came along, they, they sold him for 30 pieces of silver. And so then they, they took the coat and probably uh, ripped it a little, got some animal blood and put on it there. And went back and told their father, Jacob, what happened. Oh, it's terrible. An animal got him. He's dead. Here's the coat. And maybe the brothers thought this would be poetic justice. That coat of many colors. They never got one. And the father made one for for their brother, their despised and hated brother, Joseph. And so here's your coat back, dad, with the blood of your son on it. Maybe that's what they were thinking in their, in their minds, in their heart here. But, uh, wow. Anyhow, Joseph is now a prisoner, a slave. And he gets sold as a slave into Egypt. Not a very glorious entrance into the world's greatest city at that time. But that's how God got Joseph into Egypt. And this was the purpose of the coat of many colors. It was to help move the brothers to envy and hatred so that they would do this despicable crime to Joseph and get him into into Egypt. Now, I'll give you an illustration. Another illustration of how this works. How that God will, will use other people to move us to where he wants us to be. It's in Acts chapter 16, and I know you know the story. You needn't turn there. But God had there a man and his family that he wanted to get born again. This man worked in the local jail. And one day, God saw to it that his best soul winner came to town. And of course, that was the Apostle Paul. And Silas came along as well, his best helper. And Paul and Silas were preaching the wonderful words of life and and, uh, people were getting saved and the church was getting started there. And this man and his wife and his family, I think they had a hunger and thirst inside them to know the true and living God. 
I think they do. And so, because of some unreasonable and jealous men in the city, they managed to get Paul arrested and beaten, and they threw him into prison, into this man's prison. So this man was like the mag- not the magistrate, he was like the, uh, uh, the warden, how about that? The warden of the prison. He was in charge of the prison. And so uh, Paul was taken and beaten. Silas taken and beaten. The two of them were, were uh, taken to the prison. And they, the guard of the prison, the warden, was told, Now you make sure that, that they do not escape or it will be your life. And so he was charged with keeping them. So he took them and put them into the innermost cell. There was other prisoners in there. You know the story. How that around midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns. And the other prisoners heard them. And then God brought about this incredible earthquake. And it shook the walls of the prison and the chains fell off. The warden woke up and he thought all of the, the prisoners had escaped. And he knew that he would be tortured and put to death. And so he drew his sword ready to kill himself. In his mind, it made sense. And Paul cried out. He says, do thyself no harm. We are all here. And then the jailer, he called for a light and he ran in. He fell down on his knees, I'm sure. And he cried out, what must I do to be saved? There are some people who think That the jailer was only asking, what must I do to be saved from death at the hands of the Roman magistrates? Some think he was saying, what must I do to be saved out of this difficult situation? But if that's all he was saying, he would never have been born again. No, I think that he was saying, what must I do to be born again into the family of God? That same God I've been hearing you preach about. And so... Paul told him the word, the words of the gospel, told him how to be saved. And listen, beloved, if you're watching this broadcast and you are not 100% sure that heaven is your home, you need to get that settled. You need to make sure that you're born again into God's family. If you're not sure how to do that, contact our office. Send us an email. We'll start you on a Bible study. In a short time, you'll learn a whole lot about the gospel. You'll know everything you need to know in order to be born again into God's family. And so this is what happened. And uh, it's just a wonderful story. But you see, in order for God to get this man and his family saved, he had to get Paul into this man's prison. To do that, you see, there had to be unreasonable and jealous men, the beating of Paul, the imprisonment of Paul, and now the salvation of the jailer. Isn't that something? And so God will often use some pretty crazy stuff to move us to where it is he wants us to be. Now, in John chapter 15, verse 2, we're told this, Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away, and every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. That's in John 15, verse 2. And the Lord Jesus likens himself to the vine and us as to the branches. And the will of God is for us to bring forth fruit. 
And so what God does is he purges us, clips off the, the dead little pieces so that the power of the vine will flow into the branch better and bring forth fruit. Purging. Prison. The coat of many colors that enraged the brethren. God used the cruelty of others to bring Joseph to a place of great blessing. Because in Genesis chapter 41, we find that Joseph is now made the prime minister of all Egypt. Imagine that. He came to town as a slave, sold as a slave, and now here he is, the prime minister of all Egypt. Underneath Pharaoh, he was the second most powerful man under Pharaoh. Wow. But here's something even more interesting. When Joseph saw, when he understood, when he saw how his brother's cruelty had brought him into great blessing, Joseph found the power to forgive his brethren. That's the lesson here, folks. This is the lesson of the coat of many colors. Now, Joseph could be thankful for what his brothers did because of all of the blessing that God gave him. You see that? This is so very important. Nobody missed this lesson. This is so important. Sometimes God will use the jealousy, the anger, the cruelty of others to move us into a place of blessing. This is the basis of how we can forgive people for all of the crimes and the dirt they've thrown at us. But it won't work if we don't keep our eyes on Jesus, our Lord. We must keep our eyes on Jesus. If you don't see Jesus, it's not going to work. Let me tell you a story about a young lady named Sally. She relates this experience that she had in a Sunday school class when she was a younger teenage girl. The teacher of the class, his name was Dr. Smith, and he was known for doing some elaborate object lessons. And one day as Sally walked into Dr. Smith's class, she knew that they were in for a fun time. On the wall was a big paper target. And on the nearby table, there were many darts. And Dr. Smith told the students to draw a picture of someone that they hated. Someone that made them angry. Someone that's hurt them. And he would allow them to put that picture up and throw darts at it. Well, Sally's girlfriend drew a picture of a girl, another girl who had stolen her boyfriend. Another one of Sally's friends drew a picture of their little brother. Sally herself drew a picture of a former friend putting a great deal of detail into her drawing, even putting pimples on her face. And Sally was pleased with the overall effect she had achieved. And the class all lined up, and they were allowed to put, one at a time, put their picture up and stand back and throw darts at it. Well, some students threw their darts so hard that their targets were ripping apart. And Sally was eagerly looking forward to her turn as one after the next after the next got to go up and put their picture 
of their enemy and throw darts at it. But Sally was filled with disappointment when Dr. Smith said, listen, folks, I'm sorry, but because of time, we have to stop there. I'm going to have to ask you to return to your seats. And she was really upset. And Sally sat down in her chair and she was thinking how, how angry she was because she didn't have a chance to throw any darts at her target. And Dr. Smith began removing all of the, the pictures off the paper target he had put up on the wall. And underneath the target, he turned around the paper. And it was a picture of the face of Jesus. And all of a sudden, everyone got quiet. Holes and jagged marks covered the picture of Jesus' face. Even his eyes had been pierced. Dr. Smith then said these words from Matthew 25, verse 40, Inasmuch as ye have done it unto the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me. Boy, no other words were necessary. Tears filled the eyes that day. Boy, what a wonderful, what a tremendous impact that made on the students. The point is, we must see Jesus. We must realize that God is in sovereign control. We must see the face of our Savior behind every other face we come across. I'm telling you that unless you can see the face of Jesus, you won't be able to forgive people who've done you dirt, who have run you down, who have put a knife in your back, you know, there are two men that God brought into my life. And both these men, what started out looking like it was going to be a good friendship and a great blessing, turned absolutely sour. Both these men put a knife in my back so deep and I was hurt and I was confused and I was angry so much. All I could do is keep giving it over to Jesus because I didn't like the feelings that I was feeling. Have you ever felt that way? You're so angry. You're getting bitter. Have you ever felt like that? I hated the feeling. Knowing what these men had done to hurt me, deeply hurt me, all I could do is keep crying out to the Lord, please God, Please, God, please, God, I give it to you. I give it to you. I give it to you over and over, day after day and week after week. But God did something. Because of these two men, God brought into my life the biggest blessing that I've ever been part of. The absolute biggest blessing that I've ever seen, ever witnessed, ever had the pleasure of being part of. You're probably wondering what that is. Well, if I told you it was Grace Baptist Church, what would you think? You know something? I, I'm not going to tell you what it was that God did. But when I saw the blessing, 
I was able to forgive. I could joyfully thank God for what was done to me. With tears of joy and happiness, I could thank the Lord for what he did. You see? Because of the blessings. When Joseph was roughly treated by his brothers and thrown into a pit and then sold to nomads and ends up on the auction block in Egypt and he's bought by Potiphar. And he serves Potiphar with all his heart. Then Potiphar's wife got her eyes on Joseph and wanted to take him to bed with her. And he wouldn't. And so she made sure that he was punished and had her husband send him off to jail. And he was in a dungeon. And he was there for a few years. Struggling with thoughts. Praying. Trying to understand. And then God finally brought him to a place of prominence. Put him right into the position of prime minister. Then his brethren show up. Ah, remember the seven years of plenty and the seven years of famine? Joseph was almost the architect of that. He at least interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. Told him what was going to happen. My point is this. When Joseph saw what God had done in his life, the blessings why it was that God brought him into Egypt. He could understand now. Then he could forgive his brethren. And that comes out in the end of the the book of of, uh, Genesis chapter 50 and verse 20. He could be thankful to God for what his brothers did because of how God blessed him for it. Now maybe some of you have this same experience. And someone has done you hurt and damaged and it may have even had to mean that you had to move or something but then later God blessed you and you realize that he wouldn't have blessed you so much if you hadn't have moved or if this hadn't have happened and then you can thank God you know when we get to heaven we're going to fully understand why it is that every dirty rotten thing ever happened to us And we'll be able to really give God the glory and thanks. But you don't have to wait to heaven for that. You can be praying and exercising your faith now. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God. To them who are the called according to his purpose. But you must see Jesus. You must be looking for Jesus in your situation. You must be praying and saying, Lord Jesus, what do you want me to do? What is your will? Why has this happened? How can I serve you? You must keep your eyes on Jesus and not give in to anger and wrath and bitterness. It'll kill you and kill those around you. It's true. Anger is going to do more damage to yourself than your your enemy could ever do to you. You can't afford to go to bed angry. Can't be done. If you've been hurt by someone, if you're having trouble forgiving them, then you just need to keep giving your problem over to Jesus, over to Jesus and asking him to help you to understand and asking him to to bless you and to bless those enemies and asking him to make his will known. And he will. Now earlier I told you the story of Ivan the Great and that how he was to marry this beautiful Greek princess and everything was going well until... The church patriarch said, oh no, we can't have a bunch of mercenaries, a bunch of professional killers as members of the 
Greek Orthodox Church, it won't do. Sorry, you've got to give up your bloodshed. Well, what do they do? That's where the diplomats came in. After a hasty round of diplomacy, the problem was solved. Actually, quite simple. It's kind of funny, it's kind of sad, but this is what happened. As the words were spoken and the priests began to baptize each of the soldiers, each soldier reached to his side and withdrew his sword, lifting it high overhead. And every soldier was totally immersed in water. Everything was immersed, everything baptized, except his fighting arm and his sword. And so that's, this is a true historical fact. You can check it out. That's how they came up with a solution. Now what a crazy solution that is. But yet that's what they did. And what it does is it illustrates for us some Christians who want to hold on to their grudge. Am I talking to you tonight about a grudge? Do you have a grudge against a family member? Or a friend? Or someone at work or at school? Do you have a grudge? And here you are willing to be baptized for the Lord Jesus. All to Jesus I surrender. And you're baptized. Everything except your fighting arm and your sword. Because you want to reserve that to cut the guy's head off. Well, God doesn't go in for that sort of thing. And you are hurting yourself more and faster than anyone else in the world can. I'll say it again. If you're harboring anger in your heart because of what some man or some woman or a boy or a girl has done to you, you're hurting yourself, my friend. You're the devil's dupe. You've fallen right into his, his trap. You can't get out, can you? Maybe you've tried. Maybe you've thought, boy, I don't like feeling like this. Boy, if I could just push a button. No, what you need to do is get your eyes on Jesus. You need to do it by faith, not by feeling, because by feeling you want to cut his head off. By faith, you give your problem over to the Lord. By faith, you give Joseph's brethren into God's hands. They did me wrong. They treated me horrible, Lord. By faith, I give them into your hands. Lord, I'll wait upon you to bring the blessing to show me what this is all about. And God will. He really will. He promises he will. You have his promise in Romans 8, 28. And you will not only forgive, but listen to this. You'll be thankful. Joseph was thankful for his brethren, for what they did. And you'll be thankful too for what they did to you because it's how God blessed you. And the blessings far outweigh any of the pain. Jacob was given Joseph's coat, as you know. The brethren came in with this coat dripping with blood after they sold off Joseph into slavery. Only, you see, now it wasn't a coat of many colors. Now it was a coat of One color. Blood. Here's what I want you to do. 
I want you to take that that horrible thing that was done to you and cover it with the blood of Jesus. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to think of that person who's hurt you and cover them with the blood of Jesus. Start seeing Jesus. Start seeing Jesus on the other side of that dartboard and you got that dart in your hand. Are you going to throw that dart into Jesus? Because Jesus has allowed this to happen. What will you do? What will you do? Bow your head. Close your eyes. Let's pray.